Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Last weekend saw two significant and interconnected events take place. First, there was a drop in temperature, formalised by the clocks going back an hour. Summertime here has officially ended, which means that the once profitable summer holiday season in the Northern Hemisphere is about to start. And it seems finally long-closed cinemas are opening up in the States and Europe. We know this because of the trailers for half-forgotten blockbusters. We have to go back to where it all started. Where did you think I was all this time? We have unfinished business. Marvel Comics' Black Widow, prequel to Scarlett Johansson's many appearances in the Avengers episodes, looks promising, relatively speaking. The Soviet spy school plot is a bit by the numbers, but look at the cast. Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, William Hurt and Ray Winstone. A cut above the competition, certainly. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation. Mortal Kombat is big, noisy and based not on a comic book for a change, but on a video game. The track record for films based on games has been, shall we say, patchy. I'm struggling to think of one that's made much of a dent in the record books. And I suspect this one isn't likely to buck that trend. The past isn't dead. James, fate draws us back together. Meanwhile, James Bond is still hovering in the wings after 18 months on hold, and another long-delayed thriller is a blockbuster of the old school. It's the sequel to the hold-your-breath scary A Quiet Place, starring Emily Blunt. What Jaws was to the late 70s, A Quiet Place was to a couple of years ago. The gimmick of don't make a noise or the monsters will get you was so compelling and well acted that it trumped the fact that it was rather implausible. Still, when did that matter in a fantasy thriller? We're millionaires, boys. I'll share it with all of you. Why, in a few months, it'll be up in lights on Broadway. Come, the eighth wonder of the world! Just go with it has been the watchword of thrillers from the first King Kong to Jurassic Park and Get Out. Among the list of would-be busters of blocks comes the unlikely sequel to the unlikely smash hit, Peter Rabbit. Wait, you don't have to try to eat me anymore, remember? You're welcome to all of this. Right, right, right. I just have so much energy. I think it's this new plant-based diet. Have you tried jogging? Think that'll work? I'm desperately hoping so. 
The first Peter Rabbit was a charmless update of Beatrix Potter with rather more James Corden than anyone could want or need. Why was it such a smash hit three years ago and why will the even less appealing sequel probably do just as well? Also on this show, something for every middle-aged man who hates his boring life and dreams of being totally awesome. Welcome to Nobody. Who the f*** are you? Me? I'm nobody. From Walter Mitty to Harry Potter, the heroic secret identity has long been a compelling boyhood fantasy and nobody taps into it. But first, a film with a rather similar plot, the difference being that the story of The Courier is more or less true. From now on, you will be selling one thing. The idea that you are an ordinary businessman and nothing more than an ordinary businessman. For people of a certain age or with any interest in Cold War history, the early 60s were defined by the Cuban Missiles Crisis. Kennedy versus Khrushchev, the very real danger of World War III breaking out live on TV, until famously the moment when the other guy blinked and the nuclear holocaust was averted. Sorry, James, I know you said you had an office in the Board of Trade, but... Is it possible you actually work at a different branch of Her Majesty's government? But the story behind it turns out to be equally fascinating, perhaps more so because it was reduced to a more human level, just two or three people trying to save the world. Businessman Greville Wynne was a super salesman selling Britain around the world. He's played here as an everyman in a business suit by Benedict Cumberbatch. Sounds like work. No, tell them I'm in my chair. Yes, he's just walked in. Another great performance from Jessie Buckley as Wynne's wife, Sheila. Wynne goes for lunch with an old acquaintance who's something in the government and a mysterious American colleague, Rachel Brosnahan. And it's soon clear these people are not, in fact, from the Board of Trade. I can't believe I'm actually having lunch with spies. <laughs> I'm just a salesman. Exactly. You're a civilian, so the KGB won't be watching. It would be a real service to Great Britain. What do you want me to do? They don't want a secret agent, they say. They just want someone ordinary to make contact with their man in Moscow. But the man in Moscow, Oleg Pinkovsky, turns out to be someone very high up in the Politburo. You're a middle-aged businessman who drinks a bit too much and isn't exactly in top shape. During the war, you were a private and never even saw combat. My point is, if this mission was the least bit dangerous, you really are the last man we'd send. Pinkowski is worried that Premier Nikita Khrushchev is a loose cannon. Certainly, Nikki's catchphrase, we will bury you, was hardly reassuring at the height of the Cold War. But American and British agents were thin on the ground at that time, largely because too many had been caught recently. Make sure you wear it while you're in Moscow. What does this do? Shoot poison darts? Thank you so much, Trevor. You're a good man, and I know we can count on you to be discreet. It's an irresistible plot, and Benedict Cumberbatch plays the stages the way the real-life win must have gone through it, initially resistant and then drawn into the whole boys-own-paper side of it with the added security of the guarantees from MI6 that he would be protected. What if I get caught? Then execute me, correct? 
But as anyone who's seen a Cold War movie or read a John le Carre book knows, what wears you down isn't the fear of all those Soviet Russian soldiers. It was the permanent state of paranoia. Who was watching you? It could be anyone. Everyone you meet assume they're KGB. Every Russian is an eye of the state. It'll just be a career. Just a career for Russian secrets. Wynne continues to commute between Moscow and London, carrying vital documents about what was starting to happen in Cuba. And he and Oleg become first the business colleagues they purport to be, and then later closer friends. Wynne visits Oleg's family in Moscow. Oleg returns the favour on his rarer visits to London. But Sheila Wynne is starting to notice a change in her husband. Weapons of war must be abolished before they abolish us. I am asking you to stop going to Moscow. I am asking you as your wife. I didn't want you to be involved. As the information becomes more critical, it was vital in revealing what was going on in Cuba, Wynne and Oleg's handlers start taking more risks. And the more people who know about them, the more chance of Oleg's cover in particular being blown. We can't get him out. If things were the other way around, Mankowski would abandon you. He would never leave me to die, and I'm not leaving him. For the spooks of the CIA and MI6, this was an occupational hazard. But Greville Wynne has grown into his role as secret agent. He volunteers to help get his friend out. The Courier is a cracking good spy thriller and remarkably accurate. More accurate, I believe, than the rather florid versions of the facts that Wynne himself wrote some years later. Another great performance by Cumberbatch, but it's a team effort led by former stage director Dominic Cook. They would hold you to trade for one of theirs. How long? A couple of years. Oh, just a couple of years, rotting in some Russian gulag. They will not catch us. The KGB will have no idea. Listen, I'm better at this than they are. Fine, but I'm not. And just when you think you know where the courier is heading, it lurches into an unexpectedly brutal third act. This isn't a James Bond movie where everything comes out right, but there is one unarguable happy ending. We didn't all blow up in October 1962. And this is why. Maybe we're only two people, but this is how things change. An updated, digitally animated version of Beatrix Potter's beloved children's book, Peter Rabbit, outflanked the generally hostile critics by being a great big hit. And it was a hit almost entirely because of that half-forgotten audience, the under-tens. Is anyone hungry? Yes, starving. I'm on it. I'm just going to wait until we get home where the food isn't decomposing. Well, la-dee-da. Under 10s really want to go to movies, but so rarely get a chance to do it. So when the opportunity arises, they rush to greet it with all the hyped-up enthusiasm of Cottontail having her first hit of lollies. <laughs> oh, no. Cottontail just discovered sugar. We had a good run. So there was a throng of highly committed filmgoers rushing around the lobby, imagining at top volume what they thought this film, or indeed any film, might be like. And the excitement was clearly contagious, with Mum, Dad, Granny and the rest equally hopped up on ice cream and popcorn. 
I didn't realize I was with a bunch of sophisticates. At times there seemed to be only one person in the cinema who was keeping his critical wits about him, namely your humble servant. And from the start it became clear that Peter Rabbit 2's grip on the reins of the plot was going to be rather light. We are gathered here today to join B and Thomas in holy matrimony. You're taking this so well. He's a good man. You hated this guy. We've grown very close. B, the new hip vegan Beatrix Potter, has just married Mr McGregor. Not old crusty farmer McGregor, but his uptight nephew, I should add. And Peter Rabbit has mixed feelings. Welcoming a new parent. Not that close. A father. Father? Father? No, you're not my father. Peter! Peter! The ring! Right, sorry. Now, I thought Peter and Thomas McGregor hating each other was the major plot point, but now it's a bit on and off. Peter and his rabbit friends and relations seem to have been adopted by B and Thomas, but Thomas keeps hinting that the sooner there are real-life babies, the better. Families can come in all shapes and sizes. That's why I also feature having some two-legged children. Join them. Frolic. Imagine me and our future children... Frolicking. This is fun. I'm speeding up a little. I'm speeding up quite a bit. Oh, no! Well, the events of the first film have subsequently been turned into a novel that's gone, well, I'd say viral, except this story is set in an ill-defined era where cell phones and computers don't exist, but it's definitely not the olden days. That would be bad for business. He never behaves. Well, he is a bit of a brat, really. That seems a little harsh, don't you think? Mm. All they do is tell me how bad I am. Speaking of business, B is under siege by a high-powered publisher who wants more supercharged sequels to Peter Rabbit. The bunnies go surfing or jet off into outer space or get involved in car chases. B shockingly looks like she's tempted to go along with this. Are you the author? It's really the rabbit story. I just wrote it down. Look, Dad, it's Peter Rabbit. Oh, I hate that I'm the face of this. He's a little naughty. What? But you don't want to hear about grown-up marketing strategies, particularly when they clearly mirror real-life suggestions being made off-screen for this movie. You want to hear about everyone's favourite mischievous bunny. Are you Peter? That depends who's asking. <laughs> Peter, stay out of trouble. Told you he has it in for me. He was talking to all of us. I'm talking to you, Peter, specifically. Stay out of trouble. Trouble. Certainly the tiny tots next to me were highly amused by Peter's antics, even if they didn't always follow the rather esoteric jokes about newly vegan foxes and Peter's father issues and subsequent midlife crisis. If that's who they think I am, maybe I'd be better off without them. But the kids did like the fact Peter was a cute bunny and fell over a lot. Behind the pratfalls, the various plot strands kept getting paid out, tangled up and often abandoned when they didn't go anywhere. The biggest plot is about Peter meeting a fierce bad rabbit called Barnabas. What are you looking at, goody-goody? You're going to turn me in? I'm no goody-goody. Apparently, I'm a baddie-baddie. Get out of here! Scram! 
Barnabas involves Peter in a complicated heist at a farmer's market that ends up with all of Peter's animal chums being sold into slavery. I mean, pethood. So suddenly, Peter and his human friends race off to achieve a series of increasingly unlikely rescues, the very thing the film objected to when the evil publisher suggested it, if you want to nitpick. The other rabbits were taken, and the pig and the hedgehog, and the badger. Let's go get the others. Why are you even helping me? That's what a dad does. But my fellow audience members couldn't care one fig for unwitting irony, or for that matter, the increasingly annoying quality of James Corden's voice as Peter. Now, as far as my colleagues were concerned, Peter Rabbit 2 was the greatest movie they'd seen in their entire lives. It was irrelevant that in most cases it was also the first movie they'd seen. But the good news is that probably their next movie will be better. There's no hope for them. This is where you belong. My family's in trouble, and it's all my fault. I'm going to save them. The standard movie for boys of all ages, action movies as they're called, couldn't be simpler. There's a hero. One day a bunch of bad guys picks a fight by doing something to his family or his dog in the John Wicks movies and our hero is released to get even with extreme prejudice. But what if the lead isn't an obvious hero type, the Rock or the Staith, Denzel or Keanu? What if he's a nebbish, a nobody, someone like eternal patsy Bob Odenkirk? Well, that's the premise of Nobody. But I left it behind to start a family. Hey, hey! I might have uh, overcorrected. Prior to becoming a household name as an actor in Breaking Bad and Better Called Saul, Odenkirk was a highly successful comedy writer on Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, Curb Your Enthusiasm and many others. But here he plays straight, Hutch, a none-more-average Joe and a dead-end job with a family that barely tolerates him. And then one day, there's a home invasion. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Hunk should have beaten these punk burglars with a golf club, implies the sneering cop. His neighbour and his in-laws also can't wait to rub his nose in his limp-wristed nerdiness. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? But what if... What if apparent waste of space Hutch is, in fact, a tightly wound spring, able to take on multiple bad guys against all evidence, and frustrated he can't reveal his secret identity to his family? Until one day, a group of five or six punks get on his bus home from work and start throwing their weight around. You okay? Because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me so very badly wants out. Look out, punks. In the immortal words of Popeye, Hutch has had all he can stand, he can't stands no more. 
Single-handedly, he gives these gangbangers a little something to be going on with and then strolls home, covered in blood and glory. It's been a hell of a day. You can see that. And it turns out that while Hutch's super-heroic tendencies may come as a surprise to his kids, Mum knew him back when he was known as The Auditor. That's right, The Auditor. Have you got a problem with that? I used to be what they call an auditor. The last guy anyone wants to see at their door. Because it meant you didn't have long to live. But Hutch's problems are just beginning, or, to put it another way, Hutch's opportunities to show how totally awesome he is. It seems one of the punks on the bus was the brother of a leading Russian mafioso called Yulian. Luckily, Hutch still has some buddies in the agency to tip him off. When you left, you abandoned a certain debt that needs repayment, and your creditor is aware of your resurrection. I have no idea why in movies like this so many members of the CIA, particularly the ones on exposition duty, seem to be British. But already Julian has rounded up a crew and is heading for Hutch's family home. Everybody get to the basement. What is happening? Don't call 911. That's right, don't call 911. Daddy's on the case, armed with golf clubs, bread knives and some particularly sharp saucers against a couple of dozen Russian hoodlums protected only by assault rifles and bazookas. You look like shit, Dad. You should see the other guys. The concocters of Nobody clearly know their audience very well. That audience wants to see someone like them taking on the worst the city can offer, with the added bonus that no one will complain at the demise of a few Russian gangsters. I used to work for some very dangerous people. <laughs> they came after my family. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. And you don't do that. Give me the kitty cat bracelet! Oh, of a day. Hey, apart from anything, these people stole Hutch's daughter's bracelet. They had it coming to them, no jury will convict, and so on. Nobody is John Wick for people who are too lazy to go to the gym and who go to the movies instead. And sometimes wish fulfilment is a good enough reason to go to the cinema. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.